Morning, everybody. Um, and this is the same person who led worship, uh, just so you know. I'm still the same guy. We were joking about, I need, a, like, worship glasses and preaching glasses, and then no one would know the difference, right? Um, but no, I'm, I'm uh, glad to be with you all today. Uh, if we haven't met yet, if you're new here, welcome. We're glad to have you. Um, my name's Kenny. I'm one of the pastors here. And... Um, uh, so I'm getting back this week. We're going we're gonna to be in Psalm 33. So if you have a Bible, you want to turn there, we're going to go there in a minute. But I'm getting back this week from Yosemite. Anyone ever been to Yosemite? Yeah? Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Just, just gorgeous. And uh, uh, my wife Hannah and I went last weekend, and we had uh, every intention to go uh, backpacking. And, um, you know, where you have the, the pack... That's okay. Just doing what babies do. It's okay. Um, where you have the where you have the backpack, and you 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 don't like stay at a regular campsite, but you stay on the trail and you you camp wherever you want to go, right? And um, we had every plan of doing that, but then we get out on the trail for a few hours and we're not seeing any people, which is okay, yeah, whatever. But how many know in Yosemite there's a lot of bears? Yeah. All right. So we get up to cross a, a creek and or yeah, a creek and then. Uh, I see Hannah says, hey, Kenny, come over here. And I, we come over there and look, and there's just a big, fresh pile of uh, yeah. the emoji, right? The, the <laughs> <laughs> look just like it, except that, you know, it was not, it was, it was wet. It was not dry, right? So this is, I don't, yeah, it was not smiling. Um, <laughs> and so we're like, okay, no, we'll keep going. And we keep going on the trail, and then we see bare paw prints, right, in the, in the trail. And I'm trying to, oh, no, that's someone's heel, shaped like a paw, all right, um, and uh, then we get to a campground, and we thought we'd see people there, zero people in 75 campsites, and some of the tables were turned over onto the bear lockers, and we're just like, what is this, like, where are we, and uh, around the time when we were kind of contemplating our own deaths, you know, and, and I was like, when the bear comes, I'll distract it, and you run away, right, and uh, yeah. she's like, no, let me die for you and tell everyone that. I was like, they're not going to believe that you made that sacrifice. It's like, you know, like, like, take. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we realized, and she said this, you know, we're just depending on the goodness in a bear's heart. You know, if we like to not want our food or not, not kill us. We didn't have, I didn't have, you know, any kind of defense really or spray or. And so around that time, we were just like, okay, we, we got to go back. So we did regular camping. And I promise this is going somewhere. Um, not just like telling our camping trip. Um, but we get back to our, our normal site. And uh, some of you have been to Yosemite. At least you've, you've probably all seen pictures. But it's just, it's just beautiful. It's just you've got these trees that are, you know, over 100 foot tall. And you've got waterfalls as you're driving around and the mountains and you've got these lakes that were carved out by glaciers. And uh, we got to experience, you know, all of that. And as you're out there and there's, you're seeing all this beauty, all the, the creativity of God. And you don't have cell phone. You don't have phone service. So it's not like, you know, like 20 different notifications going off. Uh, you know what happens? You start to get this soul rest. You start to get this, like, 
just surrounded by the glory of God. And the thing is, that happens. There's science that proves it. When humans spend time in nature, we get this kind of reset and wash over. And so whether you're here today and you're a believer or not, it's true. When we bask in the glory of God, it does something to us to rest our souls. And I think Christians, when we get out in nature, we get to experience it even more because we're not just seeing the beautiful things and that's amazing and, and not knowing what's behind it. But all of that beauty points us to who God is. Does that make sense? As, as beautiful and creative as this and as expansive as this beauty is, and I just wanna, I just wanna experience it so much that I jumped in that, that glacier lake <laughs> and it was cold. <laughs> I know some of you know, uh, have been swimming and stuff like that too. It's cold, right? But you just wanna be there and just enjoy it and there's this soul rest that goes on. But how many know that um, normal life isn't always like that? <laughs> I got that like hushed, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's not normal life, right? We don't always experience that, that kind of rest. And I think, especially in the times that we're living in today, we are living in tumultuous times. It got quiet. But we are, right? Used to, it's like you're on the commute, you're listening to the radio, and if the, if the morning show is boring, you switch the channel, Right? And now you're on your commute and you're listening to the radio and it's like, so we might have a nuclear warhead strike the coast of California today. <laughs> you're like, uh, <laughs> what do I do with that? Used to my complaint was like, I'm bored with this show. And now it's like, I might die, right? And a lot of people might die. What do we do with that? How do we not, <sighs> what do we do with that? How, how do we live in the society that we're in right now not being completely overwhelmed by fear? Right? And not just, not just cataclysmic events, but what about um, the social unrest and the, and the division that's going on in our, in our country? Is anyone feeling me? Right? You, you, you can't flip through your phone. You can't look at your Facebook. You know, used to you could look at it and it's like, how many likes did I get? And now it's like, what new evidence is there of racism and terrorism and violence and injustice everywhere we look? How, and in this, in this kind of society that we have, we all have our echo chambers of our own Facebook feeds. How are we gonna interact with this society as Christians and not just be overly judgmental of everyone who disagrees with us? I guess I asked a good question. No one answered. <laughs> no, how are we, we going to do that? Um, I lost my notes here today, but I might lose my notes a lot. But No, how are we, we going to go through the social unrest that's going on and not be overly judgmental? You know, one of my favorite quotes about, like, being judgmental is, you know, someone who says, I just hate judgmental people. <laughs> you know, or the old movie quote that was like, uh, you know, there's only two types of people I can't stand, those who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch, right? It's like, <laughs> doesn't make sense, right? And yes, we're always supposed to judge between right and wrong, but judge, being judgmental and judging is, is writing them off and saying that they're totally wrong and they can't ever be right. They can't receive the grace that I've received from God. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, with all the daily struggles we face, how can we have joy? How can we have lives that are marked by joy and not just despair? How can we have an unshakable hope that we claim to have? Because if Christians 
are overwhelmed right now at this point in our society. If we're overwhelmed by fear, if we're struggling with being judgmental to those we disagree with, if we're in the everyday tensions and struggles of life being overwhelmed by that and not holding on to hope, then how in the world are we going to extend that hope to our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and the people that we meet throughout the week who have a need? Do you know what I mean? Jesus said, Jesus said to his disciples, in this world, you will have great times, good oldies. No. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. God never promised us a trouble-free life. Does anyone know that? But, but that was not all he said. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So as Christians, we know that there is access to this hope. God doesn't promise us that we'll have a trouble-free life, but he does promise us joy. <clears throat> Anyone hear that? All right, cool. All right, we're all, we're all here? All right. God doesn't promise us a trouble-free life, but he does promise us joy no matter what trouble comes. And his hope is for his people to extend the hope they have to other people around them that do not know that hope. And so if that chain's broken, what do we do? How do we fix it? Are we tracking? Where is our hope? And to answer some of these deep questions that I've uh, posed this morning, I want us to look at Psalm 33. So if you have a Bible or an app, you can turn there with me. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. It'll also be uh, on the screen and as we're turning there, I want to do something a, a little bit different that we uh, don't always do. But um, I, want to, I want us to read this together aloud, right? So a lot of times I'll read it or someone else will read it. But I want us to read it together as a church aloud and read through the psalm in its entirety. You know, the thing about the psalms is that it, it's the prayer book of God's people. It's, the, it's been the worship book of God's people for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. These are the worship songs that Jesus would sing when he was growing up going to synagogue. These are the songs that this is the way that God speaks to our minds through our hearts, right? And so it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to read together um, like they would in the ancient days in the synagogue. And uh, if you want to, um, and if you uh, are not too comfortable, you can stand with me and read it together too, because uh, it's, it's kind of cool to um, share with that um, uh, respect for the word of God. So um, let's read Psalm 33. All right. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. Sorry. He puts the deep into storehouses. 
Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart in all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death, keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Amen. This is God's word. Give yourselves a hand. (laughs) You guys did better than me. I think I got lost, lost a few times. Isn't that a beautiful psalm of hope? I know you were kind of, we were kind of reading it at a certain pace, but isn't it beautiful to hear that there is hope for God's people even when things are not going well? You know, there's, uh, as I read this uh, psalm this week, there was um, a lot that God put on my heart um, for me and for our church at this moment. Um, and, uh, you know, even right now as I stand here, I'm, I'm kind of uh, switching gears a little bit because I don't know where to go first. Because <laughs> there's so much that's, that's good here. Um, and if you guys are okay with it, I just, I mean, I just want to, I just want to talk to you about the word of God. And I just want to say, how, how, what are the resources that God has for us in this day? Because his will is not for his people to be overwhelmed by fear. His will is for his people to be marked by love, not hatred. So what are the resources that God has already given to us? And as a church, I'm not concerned about telling you something you've never heard. I'm, con- I'm concerned about telling you something that's true, that we need to hear. Is that all right? Is that all right? All right, so, so I think what we're going to do is just go straight through the psalm. But if we change it up, like, just, you know, blame me or blame God, it's, it'll all be okay. You'll still get lunch. Um, The first thing we notice about this psalm is that it's a call to worship from the beginning. It's command after command after command. I think it's six commands. Sing joyfully. It is fitting 
for the upright to praise him. It's befitting for the upright to praise him. Basically, the Bible's saying praise looks good on God's people. If you're God's, if you belong to God, let's praise him. Let's worship him. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully. If you're not that skillful, it's still okay. You can play. But it says play skillfully, right? Play skillfully and shout for joy. Come on, somebody. I grew up, a lot of you know this, I grew up in a Pentecostal background, and my papa was a preacher, and we, he loved the Lord, and uh, I, man, I, I just love that he was my grandfather, but it, it was so cool because he would be at home, maybe just sitting in his chair after dinner, or we would be in the truck driving somewhere across town, and he would just let out, well, Glory! Or right after dinner, you know, and the slice of onion that he would eat every time for dinner, he hallelujah. <laughs> right? It's okay to shout for joy. And, and if I'm getting too Pentecostal for you, just, uh, you know, argue with the Bible. <laughs> argue with God. It's not, your fight's not with me here. So if you want to shout here, it's okay. <laughs> if you want to shout after dinner, that's okay too. I don't know how it'll go over, but. Sometimes we need to shout. There's power in proclaiming the goodness of God. My wife Hannah was with uh, the kids uh, a week or two ago, and um, she was, they were going through the, the, kind of the Easter story, they're, but the, the crucifixion, and they, you know, they, the crowds are shouting that you know, Jesus is a liar, and Pontius Pilate is doing all these things, and uh, little Jackson just interrupts her. Jackson Newland, and goes, Jesus listens when we talk. He's not a liar. He listens. It's probably that voice, too. He listens. But he just started preaching in the middle of, of, the, of the message and shouting to God because it's true of God. And what good news it is that he listens. And maybe sometimes we need to shout to shake us up, to... to to say, no, it's good to worship God. And praise looks good on me because I belong to him. But I don't know about you, in the, in the situations that I listed earlier and the stresses that you face in life and whatever you're going through, it's not always my first instinct to just bust out in worship unto God. Just to burst forth and rejoice when I can't stand what just happened to me in my day. When it seems like my day just fell apart. Or when you're just shivering from anxiety. It doesn't seem right to worship God. It doesn't always feel natural. But worship is not based on who we are and it's not based on how we feel. It's based on who God is. And it's based on what God has done. And the other good news is that it's not just some magic wand that God gave us to, to rub on our problems. You know, there's some teaching that goes out there, well, you may not feel good, but you just need to praise your way through that problem, you know? Got to worship through that weakness. Whew, all right. Right? But God's not interested in just robotic obedience. He doesn't, he wants obedience, but he doesn't just want our obedience. He wants our surrender to him for who he is. He wants our worship not to be just because, oh, I'm going to make this better by worshiping. He wants us to worship him because we remember who he is and what he's done. 
which is why the psalm goes right after calling us to worship. Play skillfully, shout for joy. The next thing, verses four through 15, are all about who God is and what God has already done. I want you to see this. Verses, verses four, the word of the Lord is right and true. He's faithful in all he does, not some of the things he does. God's not sometimes faithful. He's always faithful. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. How many, that's your default view of the earth? <laughs> Oftentimes we can get clouded by how messed up it is, but it just takes it like a weekend in Yosemite to remember <laughs> the earth is full of his unfailing love. As broken as it is, we're all still sustained by his grace. The verses go on to talk about not only who he is, but what he's done. And it says, the heavens, yeah, he made those. Yeah, the stars, yeah, he, yeah, the word of his mouth. The seas, oh yeah, he like jars those up. This is the reminder of who we're talking about. The God to whom we owe our very existence. The fact that I can speak words and you can hear them in understanding, that's all God. We didn't make it. We can't take it away. And it goes on to say about him that he spoke and it came to be, that he commanded and it stood firm, that he foils the plans of the nations, he thwarts the purposes of the people, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. And the purposes of his heart through all generations. What are the purposes of his heart? He loves justice. He loves righteousness. The earth is full of his unfailing love. When we worship, that's who we're worshiping. And then it ends those verses with saying, From heaven he looks down and sees all mankind. And from his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all. Who considers everything they do. God is not just up there and distant and not knowing what's going on on earth right now. Is that all right? He formed your heart and thinks about everything you do. What a beautiful God. What a beautiful God. He's worthy of our worship. We remind our hearts to come before him in worship, but it's not just empty praise. We remind our hearts of why we're even called to worship God. But then the verse goes on, and it moves from uh, having God-centered worship, right? So God-centered worship that's not, not looking at just where I am and how bad it is and, and how bad this current situation is, but is looking at, you know what, God is in control, and God is good, and God is all-powerful. And the nations may be planning this, but God's got something else going on. The, the most powerful nations may be planning this, but God's purposes stand firm forever. God's church is meant for eternity. And Government, kingdom, empire. will come and pass. Are you guys tracking with me? 
God's in control. I mean, if you don't believe me, just where did the Roman Empire go, and yet where is the church? <laughs> right? God's in control. God's church is built for forever, for eternity. He's got this. Even though we go through things that may look like he doesn't, and we may think he's not in control, who's in charge, what's going on, God has got us. And he's given us his word to remind us of that. But he goes from God-centered worship, and then it talks about uh, God-centered hope. It talks about a vain hope and a true hope. It's kind of got this juxtaposition of two hopes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reread verse 16 through 18, and um, I don't know if it'll be up there because I didn't do that. I'm sorry, Matt, um, and I'm sorry, everyone else. <laughs> But verse 16 says this, No king is saved by the size of his army. And no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Can you guys say that phrase to me? A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. Do you see what they did with hope in verse uh, 17 and then verse 18? It says this, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Uh, <laughs> Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who hope in his unfailing love. And um, maybe you're here and you're wondering, you know, can he... Uh, none of us are hoping in horses. Um, this is, uh, I mean, I like rode a horse once <laughs> at a birthday party, but, uh, you know, it was beautiful and all, but um, I haven't caught myself hoping in one. Um, and I want to, and I'll get there. I'll get, I'll, I'll explain a little bit of horses and some of you already know. Um, but, but here's the point. Your hope will always be in something. You're always hoping in something. If you didn't hope in anything, you wouldn't get out of bed this morning. You're hoping in something. There's some kind of hope that we always are holding on to. So the question is not, do you have hope? But the question is, what are you hoping in? Where is your hope? And actually, whenever we feel hopeless, we're not hopeless. It's usually that what we were hoping in let us down. And so we feel hopeless. But we're not hopeless. It's just that what we had hoped in could not handle our hope. <clears throat> the reliability of the object of your hope will determine whether or not you experience joy or despair as you go through the situations in life. How reliable is what or who you are hoping in? Because as reliable as that is will determine how much you experience joy or despair if you're going through the same situation. We there? 
So that's the contrast of hopes that it has there. It says, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who hope in his unfailing love. So why are we hoping in horses? What's the whole deal? Well, in, in the old days, when this is written, a horse is, think of a war horse. This is military strength and might. This is, if you had horses and chariots and warriors, you had security and riches and rest. You could feel safe because I can defend myself because I've got horses, right? So maybe for us nowadays, it would be nukes or ships or drones that do the fighting for us. You can feel safe because I've got that. As powerful as that is, the word of God is telling us the most powerful thing that we can think of that gives us the right to rest in our soul. That's vain hope for deliverance because God is in control. And the only thing that we can really hope in is his unfailing love. God's unfailing love is our hope. And our, our fear, it talks about the eyes of the Lord and those who fear him. That means revere or awe or realize who he is, that he's truly in control. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. And our fear is reserved, fear in that sense, is reserved for God alone. It's not, our, our fear is not reserved for our boss. Our fear is not for, for those who seem to have some kind of control over us where we need their approval. Our, our fear is, is not, on those, not on those who can make us uncomfortable or even on those who can kill us. Our fear and our awe is reserved for God alone. And that, the phrase that was on my heart for, for our church and for this message today was, was what horse are you betting on? If a horse is a vain hope for deliverance, what horse are you betting on? Where are you placing your hope in everyday life? What horse are you betting on? I'm not talking Mayweather or McGregor. Uh, And I'm not talking financially either. I'm just saying, what, what, what are you hoping in? What is the thing in your life that until you get it, you can't rest? And if you lost it, your world would crumble. Uh, makes you think of that Macy Gray song. <laughs> Though I try to hide it. It's clear. It's when you are not near. Yes! <laughs> what is the thing that if it was gone, your world would crumble? Or that keeps you up at night? Because if your hope is in anything other than God's unfailing love, it's not going to lead you to joy. It's eventually going to lead you to despair. It's not going to lead you to overflowing love towards people, towards even your enemies. It's going to lead you to judging and being judgmental towards others. 
It's not gonna lead you towards love. It's gonna lead you towards fear. So what is it? Is it approval of others? I know for me this week, that was, that was highlighted for me. And, and what's weird is that usually isn't highlighted for me, but it was. And I was feeling some anxiety this week, and, and I felt like the Lord revealed to me my anxiety was wrapped up in wanting to secure the opinions of other people about me. I wanted to be perceived as right and good, right? And I can't control other people's opinion. That, that, that kind of horse can't handle my hope, right? So maybe it's approval. Maybe it's, is it a dollar amount? Is it a dollar amount in the bank account, right? That if we have this much, then we're good. And I can rest. I can be relaxed. Is it finding the right partner? Is that it? If I have that, then I can rest. Or maybe it's not any of those things. Maybe it's I don't need money. I just need to experience life. If I can get these new life experiences, then I can feel like I found my life. Whereas Jesus is saying, you're not gonna find it till you lose it. Till you lose it for me. With all the unrest that's going on, have we placed our hope in the next person that we can get in politics who will be in charge? Whoever the person you want to be in whatever office is not a a good enough hope. They can't give you uh, what your heart is looking for. And a lot of these horses that we have are good things. It's not that they're bad. It's just that they can't carry the load of our hope. Does that make sense? It's like a, it's like a, anyone ever seen like one of those trucks that are moving furniture, but they weren't built to move furniture? You know, like a, it's like a Nissan or like a 1983 Datsun and it's got this steel cage and there's like five couches and four beds and three sofas and um, anyone? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like bouncing down the road. <laughs> You think it's going to fall over when it's... It's not meant to carry that much weight. And if it does for too long, it's not going to go that well. And this is the same thing with whatever our heart is putting our hope in that's not the unfailing love of God. Only God can handle the weight of our hope. Only God can we put our hope in and he won't crumble or leave us, or forsake us, or get tired of us, or say, tell me about it on Monday, I'm busy. Only God can handle the full weight of our soul's hope. So my question is, do you know what that is? I mean, even if you close your eyes right now, do you know what that is? You can even ask the Holy Spirit, what is it? What, what, if I'm hoping in something other than you, what is it? Because if you do know, we need to trade that hope and exchange it for the unfailing love of God. Amen? So we need to turn from a vain hope that can't help us, even though it's very strong, and turn to God's unfailing love that can hold us up. Because God's unfailing love is not just a concept, it's not just a a fuzzy idea, 
God's unfailing love is the bedrock of our existence. Did you know that the Bible says that God is love? Everyone heard that? And did you know that the Bible says that you are made in his image? God, who is love, made you in his image to experience his love and for us to love one another. That's why we were made, is love. And, that, and what is love? The Bible says, and the song says too. I didn't, I didn't think of that too. Uh, there you go. What is love? Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave himself for us. What is love? First John says, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. See, First John 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The bedrock of this planet and this universe is the love of God. It's what was, what, what was there in the beginning. It's, what will, it's the only thing that will be lasting at the end. That's why it's our hope. And, and the good news is that God, who is love, is not just storing up this love and keeping it to himself. He's lavishing it on us. Think of a, like a, a container, and he's just pouring it, and then it gets full, and he just keeps pouring it. Love, love, love. The world is about his love. And it breaks God's heart how broken it is right now. Yet he died to give us hope. And he rose again to give us hope. And I'll be darned if I'm not going to grab onto that hope with all I've got. And proclaim it here. And we ought to feel that responsibility for the people around us who don't have that hope. Who don't have that hope in a God who loves justice and who loves righteousness. Forgive me for crying. You'll get over it. <laughs> We're living in a world that's, that's forgotten. They don't know that God is just. They don't know that he hates injustice, but yet he loves the sinner. Do we know that? As messed up as the world is, tainted by evil, by the sin in our own hearts, do we know that it's really all about his love? And that, you know, we can put our, our hope in these horses, whatever animal you want to, whatever it is that's other than God, and yet... and. God is here and he's, he's, he's the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. That before it all started, it was already in God's heart to lay myself down, to love you, to pull you out of that stream of wickedness and sin and pain and brokenness and love you before you even were born.
He's the one who said, I'll die so, so you can live. Does anyone know that today? Anyone thankful for that today? Anyone sense that love in your heart, even right now? I just feel like the Holy Spirit is ministering more than I could right now. Actually, I want to I want to pray. I want to I want to just pause for a second and pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here in our presence. God, God, my words cannot paint it beautifully enough. I cannot proclaim it loudly enough, but I pray that in each one of our hearts we would have a vision of your love for us. Of your righteous, holy, sinless blood poured out for us on the cross. Of your arms stretched wide open in love for whosoever will. Lord, like the song says, you're never uncertain of the ones you choose, Lord. And that we may choose you right now. Holy Spirit, I pray. Romans says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so I pray for someone right now who has only known your love as a concept or a word or something they have to believe. I pray right now, Jesus, that you would make it something that they experience in their heart. Holy Spirit, only you can take our anxious hearts or our stony hearts and, and change them and warm them and thaw them and make them beat again with your love. And I pray that you would do it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, yeah. Yes. I want to wrap with the last few verses. It says, his, The Lord's eyes are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. And then it ends with these three verses. It says, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. We're not hopeless, we're not helpless, we're not defenseless. Because we have the Lord. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And it says this. In him, not in our circumstance, but in him our hearts rejoice. We have joy because of him. Why? For we trust not in that horse we were trusting in. Not in our strength. Not in the things that make us feel more secure. But we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love, and it says this, may your unfailing love be with us even as we put our hope in you. That if you're here today and the Holy Spirit has highlighted on your heart something that you've been hoping in that can't handle your hope, that when you say yes to the invitation from God right now to place your hope in Him, even as we put our hope in Him, his unfailing love rests on us. And his love becomes not something we just talk about. It becomes something we can hardly talk about because it's here. 
I don't just know that He loves me. I know that He loves me. Amen? And it's only when we tap into that that our, our worship is real and based on Him and that our hope is real and based on His unfailing love and then we find joy, then we find our help, then we find our shield, then we find our strength because we're trusting in His holy name. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray. Good and gracious Father, we thank you. We thank you that you ordained this moment in time. Thank you that everyone here today, no one is here today under the sound of my voice by accident. Lord, that you have willed it. And I pray that your word would have its effect in our hearts. Pray that your word would have its good effect in our church, Lord. God, we do not want to go through the motions of being a church. We want to go through the reality of being your much beloved people. We want to invite other people into that love. We want to invite in word and in deed, and we want to show it by the way that we love one another. God, we know that your love is unfailing because you didn't come on a, on a, on a great strong horse. You came on a, a donkey's colt. You didn't come in strength. You came in weakness to the cross. Even though you had all power, you laid it down to become our sacrifice for every sin, for every time that we've trusted in other hopes. Lord, you laid down your life in weakness, but you took it up again in power. And so we sing today that the resurrected king is resurrecting me. Lord, we, we give you our hopelessness and we take on your hope. We give you our hopes that cannot hold us up and we, we rest in your arms who will always hold us up. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Pray that you would move right now in this church and in this people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.